Well met, friends. I'm Jude Vase. And I'm Steph Midlock. Welcome to Atherbeth, a podcast exploring the lingering lands of Tolkien's Legendarium. Hi, Jude. Hi, Steph. How you doing? I'm well. Yeah? Okay, good, good. I spent the day wrangling dogs and a small goblin that masquerades as my child. Uh, <laughs> but I also uh, recently got oh. into F1, uh, which is a thing that you and yes. James, your husband, also known as our illustrious editor, is really into. And that was fun. We all sat and chatted about that while it was on. And that was really super that cool. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, so I had a pretty okay, okay day. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. I watched F1 with you on the internet. That was fun. And then I took a nap. <laughs> and that's and here we are. <laughs> well, it's been a real great day over here. Can I offer you a Pearson goblin? House. Do you want to? Can I ship you a goblin to wrangle? <laughs> I'm I'm okay, but thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Gosh, so what what do we have going on? What's going on? Tell me about what's going on lately. It may be of interest to our listeners to know that we were on a Tolkien podcast and not this one. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I know. We were on an episode of a very fun podcast called That's What I'm Tolkien About, hosted by Mary Clay Watt. It comes out on Tuesday, March 22nd. Mary Clay is reading through the Silmarillion completely blind. She has never read the Silmarillion and is going through it chapter by chapter. So we joined her for chapter one of the beginning of days. Uh, we had a great time. It was so fun. Yeah, it was a lot a of fun. Uh, a, a real uh, a real good conversation. So we uh, recommend that you check out her podcast and check out our episode. Yep. You can find her on the web at TolkienAboutPod.Podbean.com or on Twitter at TolkienAboutPod. And just a big thanks to Mary Clay for reaching out to us and for having us on. That was so fun. Um, the Silmarillion is, it can be really, you know, hard the first time through. And so going through it chapter by chapter and really breaking it down into digestible things. Um, what a great way to do that. And it was so fun to be a part of it. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. That's all I've got this week. Yeah. Gosh, me too. I, yeah. Pff, what do I have going on? Nothing. <laughs> well, I'm excited for this episode because this is... This is a, a topic that interweaves with many different things uh, that we've talked about before and that we haven't. And I'm really thankful to Jude for doing this wonderful outline for us. I was just like totally blah, blah, blah this month. And uh, Jude really stepped up. And so thank you so much uh, for doing pleasure. that. So can you can you let us know what we're, what we're up to this month? Yeah, we've got many watery paths to sail. So let's begin. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you. This month, we are learning about Linden. This was a fun one for me because Linden is one of those things that is like, it's a thing you kind of know about, but for various reasons, I did not actually know anything about until very recently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. Partially for this episode and partially because I'm playing a lot of the One Ring role-playing game. And I am contemplating, not contemplating, I'm trying to get an, a game started where I'm running a game set mm. in the second age. Nice. So oh, that'd be fun. I am having a, I have been researching the various locales of the second age. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about what the history of that region is. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about what exactly Linden is. And then we'll talk about its history in the geopolitical sense. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a place, right? Yes. Can I start by saying that I kind of wanted to do this because over the last couple months, the kind of hype for the Amazon Rings of Power show has been building very greatly amongst, you know, the internet and whatever. 
And we know from the Vanity Fair article where we saw pictures and with with like a little bit of um, information mm-hmm. that there's definitely going to be stuff set in Linden. And if you look like at least on the Vanity Fair article, like the pictures had like trees with yellow leaves. And then when the trailer came out not long after that, the teaser trailer, you know, you kept seeing these beautiful kind of uh, yellow leaf areas, which, again, must be Linden. And that made me go like, OK, I need to <laughs> I can't. I need to know what yeah. what is going on here. Um, so that's kind of like why I brought it up originally to do it. Um, and so thank you so much for running with it, Jude. Yeah. So before Linden was Linden, it was a region called Osirian. And if that name is vaguely familiar, it's because we've talked about it at least once before. Back before the drowning of Beleriand, the, the region that became known as Linden was known as Osirian. And Mm -hmm. it was famous particularly for two things. One, it had six rivers stacked kind of, they were each, they ran parallel to each other, Mm -hmm. east-west. And it was up in the eastern sort of valleys of one of those rivers that Finrod discovered humans. Oh, cool. Yeah. Also, it was the, it was an absolute fuck off backwater of Beleriand. (laughs) Like, if you picture Beleriand as, like, a rectangle, Mm -hmm. it was the furthest eastern, southeastern corner of Beleriand. It's hard to emphasize precisely how not central to anything relevant Osirian's was. Okay. I have an image that we will put in the show notes Listener, you should check out a map because it's helpful if you're looking at a map of Eriador and like Arnor, right? It's on like the ocean side of the Blue Mountains, right up there. Yeah. I okay. sent, I just sent you the map I'm looking at, Steph. Ooh. And this is a, an interesting map because it overlays. Oh, gorgeous. Beleriand with Eriador, with Middle Earth as it is in the Third Age. And it really does do a good job of emphasizing just precisely how fucking giant Beleriand was. Wow, it was huge. Wow, huge. Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. So it was on, yes, so you're saying it was, okay, I get it. It See, was and the there's Osirian kind of right in the it's middle there. It's in the there. far west now. Okay, okay. Yeah. Whoa. And Osirian is in the far, far east of Beleriand. So mm-hmm. it could not have been further from fucking anything that mattered. <laughs> at the time, and it really does emphasize how, what a backwater, what became Eriador was. It was utterly unimportant. Okay. It was completely removed from everything, hmm. which I think is interesting. Yeah, it, it is interesting. That is a somewhat common theme we see in Tolkien's stories, right? They start in oftentimes seemingly more backwater places, right? Yeah. And it's no different here. Gosh, wow. But of course, then when the Wars of Wrath happen, right, and the Wars of Beleriand, yeah. it, it, the geography changes massively. So that, you, uh, if listeners remember, that is the big, the War of Wrath is the final conflict in the Wars of Beleriand between, like, the hosts of the West and Morgoth and his crappy squad. Remember, it was that 40-year-long battle, basically, that destroyed Beleriand, all of this land is sunk now. And so when, if you're familiar with kind of our Middle Earth map, uh, as it is in the Third Age, right, Mm -hmm. this would be in, like, basically on the shores of the West, basically, right? It's right on the ocean. They got Oceanside land at a very cheap price. Just had to sacrifice all of Beleriand (laughs) to get it. (laughs) Yeah. It was, so of these six rivers, so the, the rivers are stacked, there's six of them, all of these rivers branch off of the river Gelion. And the northernmost, the river Askar, is kind of what becomes the Gulf of Loon. Oh. Sort of. The Gulf of Loon goes up into the Ered Luin. Mm-hmm. And that is where the Askar used to go. May I ask you a question? Was the Gulf of Loon and this coastline formed... Sorry, is this because of the War of Wrath or is this because Numenor sank and everything got screwed up later? Maybe that's a spoiler. It's unclear. Okay. My my sense though is because this is one of the things like we it there's very little said about the War of Wrath. Remember, right. like yeah, I mean if 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 yeah you recall and and 
Uh, regular listeners will remember my flabbergastment when I discovered the length of the War of Wrath buried in like a one throwaway sentence. Mm -hmm. We don't get any details about the War of Wrath or how Balerion sinks. It's just like, and then the War of Wrath happened and Balerion were done fucked and bummer. <laughs> like, that's really it. Yeah. Hmm. My two cents on this, though, are that the reason we do know that the reason why the Valar were so loath to engage with Morgoth, even mm -hmm. when they knew that they could overpower him more or less at will, mm -hmm. is the cost. Mm. They knew that facing Morgoth, particularly once he had sunk his power into the world, that the cost of overpowering Morgoth was in the damage done to the world. Yeah. So my sense is that extracting Morgoth from his buried fortresses up in, what's it called? Up in... Oh, uh, Utumno? In Utumno, like getting him out of there and like mm -hmm. defeating his art and defeating him personally trashed the continent. Because once he like is, once we go Valar on Valar mm -hmm. and those powers are invoked, he's invoking the power that he has sunk into the land, into the mm -hmm. world, into the stuff of the world that we're talking about like plate tectonic grade power People. levels. And, yeah, and he's, right. I sort of imagine that he's just shattering the land with every flex of his, yeah. of his power. And every time, no matter how hard they try, there's simply no way for them to bring their authority to bear on him without the conflict, the the pure conflict between what they want to do and what he wants to do just snaps the, yeah. the, 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 the land beneath it. And we know that this is after the, the land has been rounded. So this is now mm -hmm. a planet operating in all the ways that our planet does. So, this is where I think you get into a plate tecton. I think you can reasonably get into like a plate tectonics sciencey kind of situation where you have a, a planet and you've got people like really fucking around with some fundamental forces. And I think the, the whole <laughs> continental shelf just yeah. slips and it just, just gets wow. dropped and the ocean moves in. Wow. That's so metal. That's my, my two goodness. cents. Yeah. Man, we got to get in some beautiful like, animated version of that. That would be so cool to see. Yeah. All right. But anyway, back to the, 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 the thing at hand. Back to Linden. So, yeah. So the last thing I will say about Osirian is mm -hmm. that of those rivers, of those six rivers, uh, I already said, talked about the river Askar. The river Thalos, which was the one just south of it, mm -hmm. was the one where men were found. Okay. Is this does uh is this all what remember where you you always talk about how there's like that part of the Silmarillion where we go over all the rivers of Balerion? Is that this yes. part? <laughs> it is. I love that yes, part. Yes, it is mentioned in there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Cool. So let's move on to what Linden is. Okay. So Linden is a land that is roughly between the Blue Mountains and the Great Sea around the Gulf mm -hmm. of Loon comprised primarily of the havens of Forlond, Harland, and Mithlond. Okay. Um, Mithlond is what is known specifically as the Grey Havens. It is the, yes. the, the port that is known as the Grey Havens. Um, and later, there's also a settlement called the Tower Hills. Mm -hmm. So in, so let's, and we'll, we'll talk about what the Tower Hills are in a second. So sure. if you are a Hobbit fan or, a, you know, a Lord of the Rings reader, you may yeah. remember some vague references to the, to the the hobbits talking about the White Towers on their far western borders. Mm -hmm. Those are the Tower Hills. Oh, cool. And that is the southern board, sort of the southern border of Linden. Okay. And then if you go north of there, you get, uh, sorry, if you go uh, east of there, you get Harland. If you go north, you get Mithland. And then if you go west and a little bit north of Harland, you get to Forland, which is on the other side of the Gulf of Loon. The Gulf of Loon is gigantic. Yeah, I'm looking at this map. Holy smokes, it's humongous. Yeah, it's wow. a 
functionally, it's an inland sea. Yeah. It's roughly sort of arrowhead shape that splits mm -hmm. the Blue Mountains, the Ered Luin. And wow. there are the uh, Forland and Harland are on either side of it with mm -hmm. Mithland at the very tip where the where the the gulf becomes the the river the river i see okay and so that's where they get on the boat yeah to, and to take the straight road right back to yeah. valinor yeah and, and that was the central purpose of the mm -hmm. the havens more or less as soon as they were founded they were founded after the fall of beleriand mm -hmm. by the survivors of Beleriand. Wow. And we'll talk about that in the history section in, in, in a little bit about how it sure. all came about. But those are the three primary settlements. The fourth okay. is an interesting one that has some interesting history that I want to talk about. So the White Towers are constructed on this sort of southeastern border of the territory. There's mm -hmm. a series of mountains sort of on the far western border of what would become the Shire. Mm -hmm. And at the time, they are used as watchtowers. The border down there is very sort of wibbly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and particularly during the wars with Sauron, this is a contested area. So they Ooh. keep a pretty tight eye on it. Sure. But after those wars, after it becomes more of a placid time, the towers are eventually manned by Arnor for a time. There is a very interesting palantir there, mm -hmm. uh, yes, but it's a very right. special one. It's yeah. not like the others, uh, yeah. and we'll talk about that. But later on, much later on, mm -hmm. the towers fall somewhat into disrepair until the Fourth Age, at which time they are renewed in some degree, and they are settled. More specifically, the regions at the base of the towers are settled by hobbits. Wow. That is so cool. They are settled and made a part of the Shire. And Peregrine Took, <laughs> who, who becomes the, I think his title is like a Thane of the Shire, so named by the new king, Aragorn. And he, in turn, sets up a new warden. The person that Thane Peregrine Took uh, selects to be the warden of what becomes known as the West Mark is Sam's daughter, Eleanor. Nice. Okay, his eldest daughter. Yeah. Eleanor the Fair. So yeah. nice. She settles it and it becomes the western border of the Shire in the Fourth Age. That is so cool. I love that. I mean, why not reuse these old buildings that nobody's using, right? Mm -hmm. So like when you say a tower, are we talking like friggin, you know, Baradur height or no? I mean, they're not that big, right? Not that big, but they were significant towers. Yeah. 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 Okay. They were... Um, the White Large Towers, they were three three towers located mm -hmm. within view of the sea. They were tall enough that you could see them from the Shire. So they were That's pretty so fucking cool. big. That is humongous. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, love I love Eleanor, too, because isn't it her family that basically ends up being the keepers of the Red Book after Sam yeah, leaves? That's because, so fucking cool. Um, Under Towers becomes one of the... One of a, a place of learning. It has one of the largest libraries in the Shire. Oh, that is fucking beautiful. I love that yeah. so, so, so much. I just feel like, wow, Sam would be so proud. Yeah. The, uh, That's very cool. The White Towers in the Third Age uh, mm -hmm. become a place of pilgrimage, I guess, would be the word I'd use. Sure. For elves who would make pilgrimages out to the towers and use the palantir that was in the tower to view Valinor. Right, because they could look one way, but it was cut off from all the rest of them, right? It could yeah, only it look was, at Valinor? At yeah, Tolver it was region-locked. Okay, so <laughs> it's region-locked. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it had a SIM card for mm -hmm. the Shire only. It couldn't go anywhere else. Okay. Yeah, it only, <laughs> was it not only could look to the west, to the, okay. I guess it's it's... Mate in the West, or however, however it was set up. Yeah, so, we talked about it in 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 a Christmas in like a winter December episode a few years ago. We went through all of the Palantiria. Now I can't remember because my yeah. brain is a is a cheesecloth and it's gone. But yeah, interesting. <laughs> they're, but yeah. they're so fascinating. They're so cool. You gotta like listener yeah. if you're interested, like read the Tolkien Gateway page about the Palantir because they're so yeah. so so cool. Yeah, I thought that was very cool. That's what the elves are that. Frodo and Sam and Pippin meet in the woods 
in um, Fellowship of the Rings. That's what they're doing. Right. They're on their way to take a little peep. I can't remember if they're on their way there or back. But yeah, they're they're on pilgrimage to view that. I think that's Is dope. it like, were they wearing t-shirts that said I went to the White Towers and all I got was this lousy yeah. t-shirt? All the way to the White Towers <laughs> and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. There's some some like industrious Avari that has got, got a little t-shirt stand set up outside the tower, like <laughs> selling tchotchkes. Yes, I would totally buy a tiny paperweight of like a little Palantir from my desk. I would totally buy that. That's a thing yeah. I would get. That sounds amazing. The last sort of like backgroundy thing is I think- and this is sort of like nerdy thing. The, apparently, the etymology behind loon is mm-hmm. super confusing and not clear, which is okay. dope, and I'm into it. So loon is the name of the the bay or the, the okay. sea or whatever it is that you want to call it. And it has like a sort of confusing, unclear etymology. So the name loon was originally, it was believed intended to mean Blue River. Okay. That was the earliest translation that Tolkien gave for it. Mm. But in the course of his various rewritings, Tolkien managed to make it so that it couldn't translate that way in the the ways that he does. Like, this, this is one of those things where he just sort of made up a sound, made up a word, and went back to, like, give it an etymology and realized that by his own rules it didn't work that way. No, darn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nerd. Yeah, is particularly in Cinderin apparently it didn't work. So he had to mm. rebuild the 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 etymology. And so he, the, there's a whole bunch of like proposed origins for where that could have come from. Floody in flood flows freely, deep water, sound or from dwarvish even meaning fall or descend swiftly it was very interesting mm. i thought that just like this is one of those cases where he wrote himself into a corner because of his own linguistic rules so yeah i thought that that's, was weird that's, that's cool i like that there's like loot so there's like the gulf of loon and then there's like little loon and then there's like a river of loon there's like a mm-hmm. lot of loons around there's a yep. there's a there's a, just a dash of loons yep there's a lot of loons so let's talk about the history of Linden. of Linden, not Loon. Linden. Yes. So, <laughs> Balerion goes kerplunk. At the end of the War of Wrath. At the end of the War of Wrath. And there are a whole fuck ton of elves that have apparently not died and are now, like, wandering around in what is now, you know, this fuck off east corner of Middle Earth that none of them had cared about until now. But and, now is the beautiful seashore. <laughs> yeah. New seafront property. And a lot of them were unwilling to go home because they wanted to stay in Middle-earth. Well, sure, they just fought like a giant fuck-all long-ass war Mm -hmm. for it, right? You're not just going to pick up and leave. Yeah, so Gil-galad was the last heir of the kings of the Noldor. He was the last one to... The last king of the Noldor, period. The Noldor being the group of elves, yeah. Yeah. Okay. After his death, no high king of the Noldor would be named after his passing. Wow. He was the great-great-grandson of Finway. He is Engrod's grandson. Engrod being okay. Finrod's brother. Okay. Galadriel's brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, family ties. Nice. Yes. Wait, uh, so Gilgalad to Galadriel is what? Uh, his, her second. his, his uh, Gladriel is his great aunt. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But he was a super cool guy. Yeah. Gil Gallad was, was, was dope. He was a very, very noble dude. Um, mm-hmm. he lived through a lot of traumatic, awful things up to yeah. like, he was born in the middle of the first age. Mm-hmm. And so he experienced some of the worst things in the first age, the breaking of the siege of Angmar, the Nirnoith Arnoidiad, all that stuff. Yeah. So after the destruction of Beleriand, he f- decides to found a kingdom in what becomes Linden. Okay. And that Linden is his creation. He sets up the three havens in Forlond, Harlond, and Mithlond okay. and makes the Grey Havens, Mithlond, his personal personal domain. That's awesome. Thank you, Gil Gallad. 
Yeah. He gathers together many, many elves, mm -hmm. um, Sindar and Noldor, but it's shortly, shortly, at some point after that, <laughs> there's a bit of unrest. The mm -hmm. the Sindar aren't super thrilled to be living under the under the authority of a Noldor due to the, the kinslaying, which is like a fucking long time ago, man. Like <laughs> No, not for them. I right? feel like I feel like we've we've dealt with this at this point. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was pretty bad. It was bad. I, but yeah, yeah no, I, I get it. But I, but yes, <laughs> I get it that the sons of Fanor uh, have made it worse. Yes, Fa fairly. The Sindar are not not dope with the Noldor. With the Noldor. Uh, okay. So a lot of them just kind of like fuck off back into Middle Earth. Okay, sure, back to Eriador. Well, yeah, because like a lot of these people have never been in Eriador. There's like this okay. this whole thing, man. Like, who's been here? Like a bunch of Avari. What do they matter? <laughs> so they just sort of like hoof off into. Eriador to start sort of set up shop and see what's there. Yeah, and it's like Galadriel and Celeborn who brings like a bunch of you know, Noldor as well, but also Sindor and Green Elves out of mm -hmm. Lorien into Eridor, Eriador, yep. right? So, I mean, you know, they've got like sort of Galadriel's stamp of approval. Like, hey guys, let's go, let's go uh, east. Let's head out. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Of this diaspora, so to speak, there's sort of three elements that I, that we, we should mention. The yeah. first is, yeah, there's a large group follow Galadriel and, and Celeborn, mm -hmm. and, and they first take up residence in what will be known as Eregion, mm -hmm. and then later go for, continue continue further east. Celebrimbor, who is the grandson of Feanor and right. a dummy, uh, well, founds the realm of Eregion. Eregion, um, yeah. Having heard the news likely, of Mithril, uh, sets up shop near Casa Doom so he can be buds there. Yeah, um, near the West Gate. Pretty cool. Yeah. And then a bunch of the Sindor, a bunch of the Sindar that, as I mentioned, didn't want to live with the, the Noldor, head off and end up founding what will one day be Lothlorien. Okay, cool. You know, and can I just say too, like when I was looking into this myself, these are huge, these are huge swaths of time are passing. So like friggin' yeah. Grey Havens are set up in like second age, the first year, right? Year one. And then it's not till the second age year 750. So 750 years pass. And then Celebrimbor's like, all right, I'm going to go and establish yeah. Origiana. Yeah, right? this so, is... You know, it's not exactly like a month. It's a long-ass no, yeah. time that they live together. Yeah. But it's, it's cool. It's very interesting. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But I like that they, like, that Celebrimbor and his buds, like, become friends with the dwarves of Casa Dune. They have, like, a nice a nice relationship there. That's very cool. Yeah. It was, yeah, 750 was when Celebrimbor established Aregion. And, and it was generally, it was by about a thousand, sec, uh, 1,000 second age that the, the Sindar sort of, Exodus had happened, mm -hmm. and that the Grey Havens had kind of reached their the population it was going to be for the duration until much later. Okay. In that time, we also had other noteworthy events. Yeah. Specifically, the arrival of a ship from Numenor. Yeah, this is so cool. Oh, I said something dumb earlier. I mentioned the destruction of Numenor at the same time as the destruction of Beleriand. Right, which did not happen. Which is two separate things, both bad. <laughs> Different. Both bad. Uh, yeah. Anyway, not the same thing. Not the same thing, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Numenor. So it's like around the year six hundred, right? That's when the ship shows up. Yeah, from Numenor. Numenor shows up, and it's like, hey, remember men? And the elves are like, we'd <laughs> We've been rather gone not. Six hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> but if you insist, and yeah, the Grey Havens, Linden sets up a relationship with Numenor. Uh, which is vitally important later on, which yeah, is very cool. Yeah, a fairly profitable one as time goes by. Absolutely. That, that's just so cool. And, uh, you know, Gil-galad, like, is famously kind of buddies with the rulers of, of Numenor after that for a while, which I love. Because I think, you know, that obviously will then carry us forward to, towards the end of Gil-galad's life, which maybe you're probably going to touch on it, so I, I won't mention it now. But I, I don't know. I just think it's yeah. very cool. It's, some, it's a lot of good foreshadowing there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the sort of the foundation. And for a while there, things are, are you know, dope and chill. Mm -hmm. Super cool. Dope and chill. Dope and chill. And then this guy shows up and he's like, hey, 
look how sexy I look in a mankini. Have you ever considered <laughs> maybe the, 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 the sexy science of men's swimwear? Uh, to which uh, Gil Gallad says, no, thank you. Uh, I'm perfectly good with my trunks. Uh, so this, this elf who calls himself Anatar says, fine, be that way. I'm going to go sell my, my Speedos to Celebrimbor, who no, notably Celebrimbor, a himbo, uh, mm-hmm. is all about <laughs> skimpy men's swimwear and apparently is susceptible to Anatar, a.k.a. Sauron's uh, sexy wiles. <laughs> Yeah, so Anatar comes out billing that he's an emissary of the Valar, right? He's like, hey, what's up? I'm gorgeous. I'm from your friends, the Valar. Why don't we hang out? And Gilgal's like, uh, no, thank you. Goodbye. And also you. his buddy Kirdan is like, no, thank you. Goodbye. Right? Yeah, but uh, what, but Gilgalad, Kirdan, and Elrond. Elrond are all like, <laughs> this is very suspicious. I do not believe that you are who you say you are. He's sus. Please do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Yeah, right. Uh, please fuck off. <laughs> take take your beautiful men's swimwear and get out of here. Yeah, Anatar. meanwhile, uh, Celebrimbor is like, does this come in yellow? This is gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> we could bejewel this. Yeah. We, what's the word? What's the word Bedazzle where you put the jewels this. on? We, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We're meanwhile, Celebrimbor, an idiot, is just like hook, line, and sinker. Like, yes, tell me all about how you can trap dead souls inside men's swimwear. Like, doesn't even think twice <laughs> about whatever fell arts Anatar has to sell. Yeah, so Anatar goes to Eregion, right? And yeah. is like, hey, Celebrimbor, what's up? And Celebrimbor's like, yeah, this is around the year. This is like, so like in, two, in the year, around the year 1000, that's when Anatar comes to Linden and they, they're like, goodbye. And then 200 years later, it takes him 200 years to get to Eregion, but that's like when he becomes friends with the elves of Eregion, right? Yeah, he doesn't go like one then another. He doesn't like bounce from A to B right away. But it doesn't. He meanders. You know, he gets there, and shortly thereafter, he forges the rings with Celebrimbor's help. Right. And uh, this kicks off war in the region. Mm-hmm. There's a war with Sauron, and Eregion is destroyed. Right. Elrond leads. The forces of Linden. He is the their their general, so to right. speak. Yep, yep. Um, well, let, let, let's just say that. So it's the it's the the nine rings of power and the seven rings of power are created with Anatar, right? And then Anatar's like, okay, bye, right? And Sauron slash Anatar fucks off for a while, and that's when Celebrimbor makes the three yeah. secret rings, right? That are given to the elves that are like, yeah, whatever. So he's got mm-hmm. these rings, right? Then all of a sudden, like, so Sauron goes off and is like, I'm going to create my army. And he takes 90 years to like create this giant army. And then when he's ready to set off, you know, they hear in these rings, like, we're coming to get you, fuck yourselves. And they're like, oh, shit, they know that he's coming, right? The elves know yeah. that he's coming. So Celebrimbor sends away the three rings that Sauron, like, knows about but had no, he he wasn't involved in making them. So they're not, like, corrupted, right? Like the nine and the seven are. So they're, he sends his way yeah. two of them go to Linden, which is important, right? Yeah, they're not corrupted by mm-hmm. him, but they partake in the same sort of power. Yeah, he, it's like he doesn't have he 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 doesn't have access to them, but they're on right. the same power circuit, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, so it's like Sauron goes, he goes, fucks off, goes back to Mordor, makes the one ring, right, and then he's like, okay, now I want all the rings, and that's when all this kind of sets off, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. Yep. Elrond, as I said, is the sort of general for the forces of Linden mm-hmm. uh, in the in these battles. And nice. uh, it is following the destruction of Eregion that he founds Imladris. Which is which Rivendell. Rivendell, yeah. With the survivors of Eregion that he gathers up. Yeah. That whole region mm-hmm. is kind of fucked for a while there. It is. Yeah, because he ba- Sauron basically fucks up the whole, not only like the, the capital city of Eregion, but the whole land, right? Everything gets fucked. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a bad time. The elves call that the days of flight. Yeah. And this is sort of where Linden gets its, you know, the Grey Havens kind of gets its reputation and name because elves from all over just 
fuck off to li- the safety of Linden, hop on yeah. boats, and are just booking it west as, as fast as they can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I would too, right? Because they just, they like, an eye blink ago survived the fucking wars of Beleriand, and now it's happening all over again. Fucking Sauron's back. They're like, no, no, I'm not doing this again. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm out. Right? Uh, where do all the boats come from? Is is this what Kier, is this why Kirdon becomes like the shipbuilder? Yeah, he's like a shipbuilder. Because this is all he does with all his time is build these ships that didn't just I vanish. Think so, west. Honestly, I think so. Yeah. How thankless must that be? Just well, build a boat and then it vanishes. I mean, it's not great a, for your ship register. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be nice if they came back again, but I don't think they do. No. I think it's a one way trip. Yeah. Part of the reason why Linden was so secure is that Sauron was afraid of Gil-galad. Right. Basically. That's so cool. He would not cross the mountains into Linden and fuck with Gil-galad because that's how big of a boss Gil-galad was. (laughs) This was partially because Gil-galad was a huge fucking boss. Partially it was also because Gil-galad was reinforced by the Numenorians. Right. This is a great story. So it's like, I mean, the way I read it was like Sauron was sort of closing in on Linden and things weren't looking great, right? Or like he was about to come over the mountains yeah. and then, and things were not, this is around the year, the 1700 in the second age and things weren't looking good. And then out of the fucking north comes a giant fucking navy which is so cool from mm-hmm. Numenor to like save their asses, which is amazing and so, so, so cool. So it was that alliance that eventually defeats Sauron mm-hmm. and hauls his and the Numenorians haul his ass back home. It's really great. If this is we, we sort of skipped it, but like basically when the one ring was made, right? And I and I mentioned that like like the elves sort of felt through their rings of power that like Sauron was about to come. This is when Gilgalad's like, "Hey, Elrond, remember Jude said that Elrond sent his like came to help." That's when so Gilgalad was like, he did two things. First, he was like, "Elrond, go and help fucking Eregion right now." And he sent word to his buddies in Numenor like, "Hey, we really need help right now." So yeah. it took a while for them to get there, but like and that's like when they sort of come out of the north it's like oh holy shit at the last minute they came through and it's just like yep. i would love to see that that's so so awesome yeah such a you catastrophe moment right yeah very much Maybe. so so yeah. the numenorians show up they do their their you know gandalf uh at dawn moment <laughs> and they eventually at the end of this this War takes Sauron back with them to Numenor. Yeah, cool. Which is great. Fine. Sort of. <laughs> um, Everything's fine. Uh. Gilgala takes the time to extend the the borders of Linden in basically every direction where there's land, north, south, and east. This is also the time where Gilgalad, who was received one of those three rings of power, those secret elf rings, right, that Celebrimbor made, he he and Círdan uh, of Linden were both given one to, and then later during this kind of peaceful time, Gilgalad is like recognizing Elrond as being like really freaking cool, and he makes him the vice regent of Eriador, and he also gives him that ring, Avilia, yeah. which is how Elrond gets it, which I think is so neat. Which is smart, I think, also because I think he's also recognizing that it makes sense to not have two rings in Linden. That makes pe- yeah, perfect sense, absolutely. Yeah. Predictably, and as we've to- spoken about in the past, bringing Sauron back to your kingdom doesn't go great. <laughs> It's right, right, because he's still sexy Anatar at this time, he's still right? Sexy Anatar. Ooh, it's amazing what a pretty face will get you. Numenor sinks, shit goes bad, and the Numenorians show up on his doorstep, all soggy and bedraggled, like, oops. <laughs> and the last alliance is, is formed. Yeah. The Numenor, well, not quite yet. I mean, we skipped the step where the Numenorians found Gondor and Honor, and. <laughs> Gilgalad builds the White Towers and blah, blah, blah. But yes, eventually, like, I don't remember how many years it is, but there's a a period of time between the foundation of Gondor and Honor and then Sauron showing up. But he shows up and Mm -hmm. they have the last alliance of Elves of Men and then poor Gilgalad bites it in the final mono uh, elfo uh, Saurano battle uh, (laughs) in which Sauron... Gilgalad and Elendil all chop it up. And right. uh, all three of them sort of 
shake loose their meaty coil in that fight. Yeah. That's what you're seeing at the beginning of Pete Jackson's right Fellowship of the Ring. That, that yeah. the last alliance. That is the end of the seven year long siege of Baradur, where they come out and they basically kill him. But unfortunately, they uh, Elendil and Gilgalad die in yeah. that as well, which sucks big time. Yeah, Gilgalad was such a boss. He fights with. I love this detail. He fights with a long sword and a spear. Yeah, that is so, so cool. Dope. I'm really which hyped hand with which? Who knows. I, I, I'm really hyped to see Gil Gallad in the show, and I hope that they make him cool enough. Oh, man, I hope he's cool. Yeah, I hope he's cool. So, yeah, so then he dies, and with his death, kingship of Linden passes to Círdan. Yeah, although he calls himself, like, the what does he call himself? Like, the master of the Grey Havens or something? I don't remember. Yeah, he doesn't I, call himself king, though. Yeah, he he doesn't call himself the the he, he like I say he doesn't t- uh, call himself the high king of the Noldor. He calls himself the Lord of the Havens. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and then they went through a period of like everything was kind of fine for a little while, right? Yeah, but they're much until... di- they're much diminished. Okay, okay. Linden continues cool. to just sort of dwindle. Elves just, I mean, elves are just pouring out there the out the back over this time. Throughout the the Third Age, they are fast allies with Arnor. Yeah. All through the Angmar War in particular, Linden mm-hmm. is there. But they don't, I mean, they just don't have the, like, they're not, uh, uh, they're not what they used to be. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so many of their people fought and died, right, in the last yeah. alliance of men and elves. And so... And, and like it's just so interesting. Poor, I, I don't know. I really feel for Kierden as some as someone who like he lost he and like Gilgalad were like best friends, and I would argue they were boyfriends. I've decided um, <laughs> because I don't know. I just really like their I love their relationship. And Gilgalad never I, married. Yeah, right there you go. I mean, I think he I think they loved each other. Um, but yeah. I, you know, he lo- so he loses Gilgalad and then has to go back and like live in the place where they live together. And he is sort of is responsible for like the safe passage of all of his kind leaving. Mm. You know, I, I yeah. don't know. There's something very evocative it's and sad dark. about that. Yeah, no, it is dark. Yeah, I, it is. I I absolutely it get is. you. I feel like. Gilgalad is a very, or Círdan is a very, very somber figure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, there's an, there's a note that he was very foresighted, right? Like he was, uh, mm-hmm. he, he was, he was super wise, right? He, he was a Cinderin elf, I believe. While, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Which is interesting too. So, you know, living with a Noldor, but so, you know, so he must have known these things that were going to happen and he's still sort of like, I still have to stay and be here for this place and for yeah. my people. Man, that's tragic and beautiful. I love I love Kirdan. That's amazing. Yep. Yep. Oh, Linden. So Linden was just fucking helping everybody, right? He was helping over here. They were helping over yeah. there. You and know, it, even if they didn't have much to give, they were still there. Yeah. And it very much uh, took a, a toll on them. They were yeah. not a powerful kingdom. Certainly by the time of, like, the War of the Ring, mm-hmm. there wasn't really anyone to show up. For the War of the Ring. Yeah. They were not a military force by then. Right. As such. Right. Interesting. The last sort of role they play is after the war, all the ring bearers, including, uh, well, all of the, the last of the Noldor and the ring bearers all come to the Grey Havens and sail out yeah. from there, uh, which you may remember from one of the like 87 endings to the PJs. <laughs> So like Gandalf, uh, Galadriel, Elrond, and Frodo. Not Sam yet, but Frodo does, and Bilbo, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's in 3021. Yep. Yeah. So they, oh, so they they basically, so he has to kind of watch them go. Yeah. And he had to, and, and like, this is like very, uh, this is like kind of the last of the dregs, right? But he still stays. He's still there for a little bit longer. Yeah. Into the fourth age, right? Yeah, depending on the the writing, Tolkien writes a couple of different versions of this, but generally speaking, he's either the last or he waits for uh, Celeborn and yeah. goes with Celeborn. That's so lovely. Yeah, they take like the, the uh, capital L, capital S, last ship, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that uh, kind of makes me cry. Like, I don't know. It's just sad. Like 
He's he he like he saw it coming for so long that it was ending, right? And he had to and he stayed the whole time and then he was like, "All right, there's no one yep. else for me to ferry. I'm like we're like the last ones. Let's go." That's so fucking sad. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Oh man. So Lyndon, so then like what happened to Lyndon after that? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Okay. It just I, I mean we don't know a whole lot about anything that happens in that's true in, in the fourth age. So okay, yeah. I I thought I read maybe that like men didn't didn't really go there for whatever reason. I don't know why because it I don't know. It's it's an interesting it's an interesting place because it really as you can see especially with the second age right and Anatar it was very central to a lot of stuff that was happening, but it's not really in any big story it's not it's it doesn't seem or correct me if i'm wrong but it's not the sort of like place of any big tales right that we get in the silmarillion or anything right it's it's Um, always yeah it's all it's all second age stuff and like all the stuff that happens in the second age Mm -hmm. where we know it primarily is from the appendices and okay from yeah yeah like notes about that stuff that we get in other materials. Okay. Part of one of the reasons I think that it's really exciting that we're getting this show is that is a time period that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm I'm personally really excited to see more about the the second age in the Rings of Power show. Because um, mm-hmm. I think that's a really fascinating time period. Uh, the first age obviously is fascinating because it's this age of heroes. And the third age is this like end of history kind of time where, you know, it's the Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. But the second age is, is, is where there's all this power, all these powerful figures are still around and there's all this Mm -hmm. momentous stuff still happening, but it's very much, there's an element of almost like post-apocalypticness to it because these are people living in the ruins of the world they used to know and trying to rebuild with the threat of another war hanging over them. I, yeah. I, I doubt very much we'll get that much navel gazing in the TV show, but it would be lovely if we got a little bit of it. Absolutely. Agreed. So. Yeah. Is that, yeah. I liked your point about like, this is the last, like, yeah, as the elves leave, right. This is their last touch point. This is the last place they're ever going to see. Yeah, we see a tiny bit of the Grey Havens in Pete Jackson's movies, right? But um, I don't know. Arguably I would. Lo- I really hope much. we see more. That would be so cool. Yeah. Ah, that'd be amazing. Um, so let me ask you a question then, please. Um, if you were gonna live in Linden mm-hmm. in all these different time periods, like when would you want to be there? If you're an elf of, of Linden, the first thousand years after its founding. Yeah, because that's okay. the part where nothing's on fire. <laughs> All right, good point. Yep, good point. Cool, cool. Um, That's cool. I can dig yeah. that. Yeah, that would be. That's amazing. Well, I'm so glad you went through this. Thank you so much. I think it's a, uh, also you know, dovetails nicely with some more discussions of Gil Gallad and and yeah. his contributions. As we know, he's mm-hmm. one of the on the one of the posters, so he's definitely going to be in the show. So it's great to know a little bit about him. Yeah, and this run up to the the premiere of the show, I think it's it's fun to look at some of these topics because we, I tend to dive into the more metaphysical stuff and mm-hmm. you you are more of the the lord of the rings horsey you've got <laughs> your the dumbass stuff is that what you're saying no not at all <laughs> you but you've got your you've got your your wheelhouse as well and the show is definitely a corner of the legendarium that neither of us have taken the time to poke our fingers into yet sure so it's yeah. it's motivating us and me as well to to uh, read into some of these areas where I haven't just haven't been motivated to to dig deeply. Uh, so it's been it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like you get a taste for it in the appendices. Um, you get a lot of good information on it in the appendices, but to yeah. really focus on it is cool. And I think it's you know it's important to do it right. Yeah. At least now we'll know it really well by name when it comes up. Indeed. And we could talk about. We could be like, well. You don't know what's going to happen later, but it's going to get messy. Whoop. <laughs> I don't know. 
And I think the one lesson we can all take from this is never put two rings of power in the same city or the same area because Sauron's going to come. It's going to happen. He's coming. Yep. Watch the fuck out, right? Keep your <laughs> rings well separated and hidden. That feels, <laughs> I feel like that's dirty. It's not, but it sounds dirty. <laughs> Well, we are a very thirsty podcast, so there's a That's good true. chance it's a little bit dirty, That's right? True. Hey, woo! Well, hey, Jude, thank you so much. This was awesome. I, I really, yeah. really enjoyed this episode. My pleasure. Thank you for thank you for leading us through the lands of Linden. The road may go ever on and on, but this episode is over. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes as it helps increase our visibility. You can find us on the web at www.podcast.atherbeth.com. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at atherbeth underscore cast. I can be found at Aramidic Jude, and Steph can be found at The North Four. Tidal music is Lord of the Devil Rings by Pony Music, courtesy of Pond5. Today's episode, like all our episodes, was produced by the excellent James Pearson. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Oh my God, stop burping. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, All right.